This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by Charleston Orwig. Transparency, sustainability, engagement, technology, privacy. It's a crowded landscape out there. Explore the conversations on Reputation Forward, a Charleston Orwig blog about protecting and elevating your reputation at reputationforward.com. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Tom Slate, thank you very much for joining us as a guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, Ken, thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Let's uh, talk about you as the new president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. I know you've worked there for many years. Tell us your background that led you to this job. Well, I guess like all of us, we have long and winding roads, but um, you know, I, I began, I grew up on a dairy farm in upstate New York, but uh, I soon, uh, when I, after I left the farm, I got into the uh, grain trade business back out in the, in, the, in the Midwest in North Dakota and Montana. Uh, then I went to work for the Grains Council in 1983, and I guess I've done almost every job there is to do here at the council, including uh, serving overseas uh, in the Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union back when there when there was a Soviet Union. Uh, I oversee, saw our Asian offices for a while. I, I, I spent some time as executive director of the council, working a lot with our membership here in the United States. Uh, actually, then I left the council for a few years, came back in 2010 uh, in more of the role of uh, working with our membership and uh, was uh, promoted to president uh, this past June. Tom, to whom is the Grains Council responsible? Well, I guess in, in some days it feels like everybody, but uh, in reality uh, we're, we're strictly accountable to the producers of corn, sorghum, and barley in the United States, plus the wide variety of agribusinesses that are members of the Council. Uh, the Council has over 100 agribusinesses that, that join the effort around the world. And also, you know, FAS, the Foreign Agricultural Service, is a key partner of ours, and we're we're very directly accountable to them. You have a background in both agronomy and in economics, but as far as the drought of 2012, looking at it from your perspective in the Grains Council, what kind of challenges has it caused for exporting U.S. corn? Well, Ken, it's been a wild year for us. Uh, you know, if we started out like like a lot of people know, uh, looking at perhaps one of our largest crops ever, um, you know, a bumper crop, what are we going to do with all this uh, grain that we're going to be producing this year? And then, wow, what a crazy wild ride we all had during the summer. And what we what happened is when this, the reality of the drought really started to set in both domestically and internationally, uh, Customers, you know, the customers for U.S., uh, you know, corn, sorghum, and barley around the world uh, have been contacting us, contacting our offices, contacting the Washington office directly. Lots and lots and lots of questions. You know, what's going on? Will the uh, the American producer be able to produce for us? Um, you know, lots of concerns about uh, you know aflatoxin recently. Um, a lot of a lot of concerns about mainly, like I said before, you know, is the American farmer going to be there for us now and into the future? And we're going out with a very active program this year. We call it the Year of Customer Servicing. Going out and talking to our customers worldwide, we're we're just beginning that now. Now that the harvest numbers are going to start to harden up a little bit, talk to them about these sorts of things. Talk to them very directly about you know our our reliability as a supplier and our commitment to the international market, uh, you know, for corn, sorghum, and barley. 
Well, Tom Slate, the way we've performed so far in a challenging year, would you then say the United States is the most reliable grain exporter in the world today? I, I say unequivocally yes. I mean, in terms of you know, our ability to supply what they want, whatever they want, in whatever kind of quantity they want, and whenever they want it. Um, we've always said that, but I quickly say, uh, Ken, that you know that the floor of competition rises each and every day, and we we've seen this very, very actively, particularly in the corn sector, where uh, you know uh, Argentina, Brazil, the Ukraine, uh, you know the Black Sea region in, in Toto is really uh, uh, eating our lunch in a lot of key markets for us. And so, our, our, you know, yes, we're still the world's most reliable supplier, but, uh, you know, we have a lot of competition out there. But we always rely back on our contract sanctity, our quality uh, system, the Federal Grade Inspection Service that, that you know, ensures uh, what they get. We have a great system here, but our, our, our competitors are biting our heels. Let's turn to the Far East, to China. They have been a very large buyer, increasing each year, especially on soybeans and uh, looking at us uh, to buy more corn, we think. What's the future there as far as, number one, their domestic grain production capabilities, and secondly, their appetite to buy products from around the world? Well, Ken, I think that you've hit on two big items for China. We just completed our our harvest, our corn crop tour. We do a harvest tour. We do a planning tour looking at the, at the domestic crop. They're having another good year uh, in China. Uh, they continue to have you know, setting records on yield and uh, total production, you know, so that's good. I mean, that's good for U.S. agricultural interests, too, because what's really the, the issue in China is that very, very strong demand, not so much, uh, you know, being pushed by population size, although that's a key factor, but it's being pushed by, you know, rising income and urbanization. Uh, these are t- two incredibly strong forces in the Chinese economy. And while their grain production is increasing, we want their grain production to increase because we want to make sure that they're going to be able to supply enough, you know, meat and, and food as people rise up the, uh, you know, the food chain and, and rise with disposable income. They want to eat better. That's happening and it's happening big time in China. Again, being driven by per capita income and urbanization. In terms of corn, yeah, China has come on as uh, as a consistent importer of corn these last couple of years. There's a lot of projections this will continue. Uh, we're engaged in a very strong dialogue with the Chinese on um, you know food security issues and 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 uh, addressing food security issues through trade. That's been a very very productive uh, productive dialogue, and so. Yes, I think they'll continue to be a shining star for us. I think China, with their good harvest, will be probably more, continue to be more of an opportunistic buyer for U.S. corn in particular. Uh, they'll wait for, you know, moments in the, in the market. They'll be watching closely. Uh, but they'll be there. I think they'll continue to be certainly a strong soybean buyer. That's not going to change. We also think that, that corn is going to continue to increase as, uh, as the years go along. Again, driven by this uh, demand from the growing middle class. As far as China's yield this year, have you released any numbers or estimates on how big either acreage yield would be or total crop size? Uh, total crop size, you know, we've, we've actually are looking at about a 3% increase in yield total production uh, with a concurrent increase in yield. 
Um, Planet Acres, I mean, that's something that is sheer speculation for us. I mean, we don't have satellites and we're not, we don't have access to that sort of uh, data uh, on a day-to-day basis. There, you know, the, the feeling is that, you know, and that's just at all it is, a feeling. We assembled a group of experts here about a week ago. The feeling is that Planet Acres continues to rise, uh, that um, corn acres is increasing um, at the expense of soybean acres, at the expense of wheat acres, and corn and peanuts seem to be the two crops that are enjoying increased acreage. Again, this is, again, by observation, not by statistical analysis, but those are the crops that seem to be doing well in China, increasing in China. And um, yield continues to march along, but, you know, as we know, there's a long way to go in improving yields in China in terms of, you know, just crop management improvements that can happen. Uh, they have good yields right now. They have some good-looking corn over there, but, again, uh, modern, um, you know, genetics and so forth, uh, they still have a long ways to go. So China will continue, I think, to improve their domestic production of corn, uh, but I don't think it's going to be able to keep up with the uh, superheated, uh, you know, demand for corn, not only from food but also industrial uses. Let's uh, change gears here a second and um, talk about uh, transportation. Um, yeah. And in the U.S. market, uh, for us to ship our product out of the country, we have this uh, challenge to be able to get it to the ports. Um, are you concerned that we can keep up uh, with the river system locks that we have today in being able to supply these export markets. Yeah, Ken, you know, when I, when I, earlier in my career, I, I remember us very, very, very well that we were talking about we need to be taking better advantage of our, of our infrastructure system. One of our real competitive advantages as a, as a corn and grain exporting country is our tremendous infrastructure system. And at that time, back in the, in the, um, late 80s or, you know, early 90s, you know, the talk was, well, we're not maxing out here. We could be exporting a whole lot more. Now, you know, now it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a constraint. Uh, certainly with the lock and dance, it's an absolute constraint. And, uh, we're very concerned about this. We're very concerned about our overall competitiveness. Um, we actually, the council had, uh, its two most recent meetings, um, uh, for our membership, one in, Panama to look at that Panama Canal and what's going on there with the broadening and the deepening of the canal, the new channel. Uh, and then the second one was uh, in uh, Portland, uh, Oregon, actually in, in Vancouver, Washington, I should say, where we took a look at um, the uh, new uh, EGT, EGT terminal, the export grain terminal that's being built, the first new terminal in the United States uh, in that whole Pacific Northwest region where you know, we have uh, a, a brand new facility that's expanding our our competitive uh, infrastructure. It's a real struggle, uh, Ken. I, I think I'm really concerned about it, particularly when the Panama Canal comes online and, and 50-foot drafts become the uh, the norm. Um, where are those ships going to go? Where are they going to lead? Are we going to be uh, having more uh, grain being uh, shipped out of here by container? Um, all these questions are, are very alive right now, and yeah, we're spending a lot of time looking at it and, and researching it and, and talking to people uh, to maintain our competitive advantage on, on shipping. What's the opportunity to export more U.S. grain to new customers around the world? Ever since you know, I started with the organization in the early 80s, our, our bailiwick has always been what I call turning over rocks, You know, looking at for those new markets. That's one of the key, uh, you know, 
charges for the U.S. Grains Council is to find those new markets, go into riskier markets, and, and source them out. And, you know, certainly, you know, where we see our demand growing is in the established markets, looking at all this, uh, you know, growth of the middle class like I was talking about with China. But there's a lot of other places here where we're continuing to find that, that demand and how we can penetrate that demand. Morocco, um, I would say South America, you know, we have to, we have to expand our operations there in terms of Colombia, Ecuador, Peru. Uh, certainly there's demand growth in Mexico. Um, but other places like Saudi Arabia has come back online as a strong, uh, you know, demand source in terms of some of the policy moves they've made and looking to us to be a supplier. So there, there's a lot of, you know, small little, infant, you know, stories of infant markets arising around the world that we have to take advantage of. But certainly, you know, one of the challenges for the council is, is having a strong you know, program for our mature markets, for our established markets, keep those loyal markets going strong, but also continue to turn over rocks and see what's going on in the rest of the world. That's what we're continuing to do. Tom Slate, CEO of the U.S. Grains Council, thank you very much for being our guest here on AgriPulse Open Mic. All right, Ken, well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. That's AgriPulse Open Mic for this week, brought to you by Charleston Orwig. To learn more, go to reputationforward.com. I'm Ken Root.